0: This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. And thank you for, for being here. If you would just uh, kind of have your Bibles ready to, uh, for our study today, this is lesson number two in our series, Wise Up. And this series majors on a question that we're asking over and over and over, and you'll probably get tired of the question before we finish our series. But this is a question that can actually save you a lot of money. That's a question that can save you time. It's a question that can save you heartaches, headaches, and tears. And perhaps your greatest regret, and we have them, I have them, our greatest regret would have probably been avoided if we would have asked this simple question and then acted on the answer. And the question is not, is it moral or immoral? That's a good question, but, or is it legal or illegal? Rather, the question is, is it wise because there are many things that are legal, but they're not wise. That there are some things that may be moral, but for, for me or you in our, in our particular circumstance, it's not wise. There are some purchases that you can make, you can buy stuff. um, And it may not be sinful, but it's not wise. Uh, that there are some things you you might be able to do and and not go to hell because of it, but in your situation, in my situation, it's not wise. And so Paul said we're to be careful not just float along with the current of our culture, because remember what I said last week that he, he is basically saying if you were just to kind of lift up your feet and float along with the current of times, that the current of culture you would end up in a place relationally and or financially or even spiritually you don't want to be. So. Consequently, church people, Christians, followers of Jesus, you can't simply go with what is popular. You you can't simply go with what other church people are saying or doing. You can't simply go with what is accepted as the norm because Paul says the days are evil. and, And the current of culture will cause you to float along someplace where you should not go. Today, uh, we're going to the book of Proverbs. We're going to study the words of King Solomon, who was probably the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon not only wrote the book of Proverbs, but he also wrote a couple of other books. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you think the Bible is just a book of impractical stuff, I dare you to read Ecclesiastes. In fact, I, I sped-read Uh, the the book of Ecclesiastes this past week, here are just a few of Solomon's wise excerpts. For example, in Ecclesiastes 5, 2, and 3, and just kind of picking out uh, some of the phrases here, not reading, it says, do not be quick with your mouth. So, some of you need to count to 10. Some of you need to count to a 1,000. Do not be quick with your mouth. And it says, let your words be few. Hmm. And then it goes on and talks about the speech of a fool that, you know, whenever there are a lot of words, that's kind of the characteristic of a, of a fool it just talks too much. Also Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse one for young people. Remember the crea- your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. So it's almost like it's tied together. If you don't remember your creator in the days of your youth, you can have a lot of problems. And then uh, Ecclesiastes 4.6, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So sometimes it's better to have less than more, especially if more is going to create more stress. And then for those of you that cut wood, Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. You found that out to be true, haven't you? So that's from Ecclesiastes, but Solomon also wrote one more book, the book of Song of Solomon, which you probably shouldn't read until you're married. But I did pick out a few verses that were appropriate for mixed company. Listen to how a young lady describes the man she loves. And this is so sweet. My lover is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. Knocks me out right there. That wasn't that funny. (laughs) His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. Isn't that so sweet? His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. His arms are like rods of gold set with chrysolite. His body is like polished ivory. Decorated with sapphires. And then she ends up this, this description with verse 16 His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my lover. This is my friend. And then listen to how this man describes the woman he loves in chapter 7. How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. I wouldn't have probably used this description for my wife, but your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. I wouldn't use this either, but your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. And we're going to skip verse 3 so my face doesn't turn red. Verse 4 says, your neck is like an ivory tower, and your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bath-Rabim, And I wouldn't use this description, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon, looking toward Damascus. So if you think that the Bible is just a stuffy old theology book, you need to read the books, the works of Solomon, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. But today we're going to be just in the book of Proverbs. And really you ought to make a practice to read the book of Proverbs once a year. And maybe once a month, because it's so practical, just has great advice. Now, let me warn you, if you came to church today kind of cranky, looking for a reason to get offended, you will find it today, guaranteed. In fact, after the service, and I hope you'll wait at least that long before you leave, but you're going to get into your car thinking of all the ways that you want to hurt me. But remember, I didn't write the book of Proverbs. I wish I were that smart to come up with this stuff, but I didn't. And and something else, I I want to make sure you understand this because some people are are confused on this. A proverb is not a promise. A a proverb is not a promise. Pastor Adrian Rogers passed away several years ago, he was a hero of mine, but he used to say that a proverb is a proverb, a promise is a promise, and I think he went on and says a precept is a precept, a principle is a principle. And um, so, so when you read the book of Proverbs, understand that these proverbs are not promises. What is a proverb? A proverb is a general principle that when generally applied will bring general results. So so for example Proverbs 13:21 says that the that prosperity is the reward of the righteous. Well, that's not a promise. Just because you're righteous doesn't mean that you will become prosperous and rich. This is not a promise. It's a proverb, a principle that when generally applied will bring general results. Now, as we jump into our topic today, we will find that Solomon puts a high premium on wisdom. In fact, he says in Proverbs 3 that wisdom is better than gold and silver. Now, this is the richest man that ever lived. Way more than Bill Gates. Way more. He is saying that wisdom is better than gold or silver. In in Proverbs 8, he says that wisdom is better than rubies. But he also says that if you choose to not do what is wise, whether or not you realize it, you are automatically opting for some other things. And, and we're going to talk about those three other things, those three other categories of people. Now, the first category that I want to mention, and, and, and these aren't really in the order of how you find them in scripture, but just in the order of my presentation. But if you don't opt for wisdom, Solomon talks about a person that he refers to as a simple person. Now we've all probably uh, referred to someone as being simple. Uh, Most of the time that that description wasn't very complimentary. Um, Well, when Solomon refers to a simple person, it's not a compliment either. So, So what is a simple person, at least from the context of Solomon's writings? Well, first of all, a simple person is not necessarily a dumb person. A simple person is not someone who is slow mentally. A simple person is not evil or bad or rebellious or a hell raiser out to cause problems. Rather, in the context of, of how Solomon is presenting this, the simple person is a person that is naive and gullible. Today, we might refer to them as clueless. And Taylor Swift, and and by the way, I'm not a fan of hers. I'm not a fan of her music. I'm not a fan of her political views. But in a song that she sang, she got this one thing right. She nailed it. She summed up this whole point of being simple in a song called 15. And and a short snippet of the lyrics say this. Because when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. And the context of this song is you're going to believe them not because you're dumb, not because you're rebellious, not because you're wicked. Rather, you're going to believe them simply because you're 15. You're too young to have experienced the pain of being burned in the past and understand that just because a boy says he loves you doesn't mean that that is true. Now, there are several passages in Proverbs that talk about the simple person, but the one that we want to focus on today is in Proverbs 7. It's a long passage, 20, 21 verses. We're not going to read it all, but let me give you the background and then we'll read a few verses that kind of summarizes what what Solomon says. In this passage, Solomon is describing a simple man who happens to be a young man, and this young man thinks he's about to have a good time. But instead, this This man that the Bible calls simple is about to naively walk into a situation that's very wrong and down the road will bring him pain. And as you read this situation, beginning with Proverbs 7 verse 6, it's almost like watching a movie and and seeing the main character about to do something really dumb and there's something within you that wants to stand up and shout, don't do it, don't do it, this will not end well, this is not smart, you're going to be sorry, don't do it but he does it anyway. Let's read what Solomon says about the simple. Verse 6, At the window of my house, I looked through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. So this sets the stage for the simple person that lacks judgment, obviously doesn't have a clue to the implications of what he's about to get into. Let's continue. Verse 8. He was going down the street near her corner. The warning lights are already flashing. Walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading as the dark of night set in. Now, if you've never read this scripture, you know what's going to happen, don't you? There's no mystery. This simple Naive young man is heading towards a woman's house as nighttime is setting in. Verse 10, Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. Hmm. I should have caused this young man to stop right there. Most of you know that I was, uh, I, I spent a good part of my childhood days and some of my adult days in, in South America, the country of Bolivia, right in the heart of South America. When our mission went into the country of Bolivia, I don't know, 80, 85 years ago, I don't remember the exact year, um, what they did was they, they bought a piece of property, which eventually became the Mission Compound and this was a horrible idea but that's the way they did things back then right beside the mission compound they built the church which became the mother church horrible idea but that's the way it was but over the years over the decades as um as that part of of town began to develop um, it, it became a red light district which means uh, there were houses of prostitution all around, and so this was just a really sketchy area, and you know, this was where the mission compound was, this is where the mother church was, and, and literally you could walk up and down that street and see these uh, ladies, and there was no doubt about it, how they were dressed, and this, this is what is just so incredible, what would happen is they would sometimes, these ladies, I shouldn't call them ladies, <laughs> But but these girls, they would dressed like prostitutes, go right up to the church doors where they were having church, going in church, going out of church, and they would lean up against the church doors, bare, you know, dressed as as prostitutes and just seeing them. It was like that there's no doubt what your intent is. And and so Here's this woman coming out to meet this simple young man, dressed like a prostitute, crafty intent. Verse 11, she's loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And as they say, um, the rest is history. This simple man makes an unwise decision that perhaps affected the rest of his life. Now, again, the simple person is not a bad person. The simple person is not someone that's out to hurt anyone or cause harm in the community or raise a ruckus with the law. But the simple person is someone who lacks good judgment and is gullible and naive. And if you would lovingly try to confront them, they they would say, I can't believe you would think that. I mean, nothing's going to happen. We're just friends. Nothing's going on. When you're 15 and somebody says they love you, you're going to believe them because you're 15. Now, I want to say that the simple are not all necessarily 15-year-olds. Some are. There are some simple people who are in their 20s and 30s. There are many simple people in their middle age years, not to mention that plenty of senior adults, when it comes to their decision-making, they are still lacking good judgment. And so consequently, these naive people from all age groups find themselves getting into messes, listen, that are completely avoidable. They find themselves in relationships over and over and over that are destructive. And I I don't know if you've ever realized this, but there are some people that go from one bad and abusive relationship to another bad and abusive relationship to another bad and abusive relationship that they seem to have no ability to judge character. Simple people often find themselves buying things that they can't afford. They say, but right now they have 0% interest for 20 years or whatever, and I think this is a no-brainer, but is it? You do know, those of you that are watching online, you do know that even if there's 0% interest, you still have to make payments on the principal. And then sometimes people in this category find themselves spending their entire income tax returns on stuff that's not necessary, you know, whatever. Phones, watches, clothes, furniture, things they don't have to have. Why do they do that? Because the money's there. It's like George Mallory, you know, back in the early uh, to mid-1900s, they asked him, Geor- George, why do you want to climb Mount Everest, a mountain that hadn't been conquered at that point? And, and his classic response was a quote that's been repeated for, what, 70, 80 years now. Why do you want to climb Mount Everest? He said, because it's there. It's there. And, and sometimes there are people that come on some money and they begin spending it, uh like there's no tomorrow, why? Because it's there. But even though it's there today, for the simple person, it probably won't be there tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. Simple people at times can be vulnerable to telemarketers. Those who call want you to give a financial donation to a certain cause. Simple people are more vulnerable to those who pop up on social media and act like they want a relationship with you. And somewhere along the line, they tell you about a financial need that they have. There was a man that some years ago came to this church, and he's not here today, and I haven't seen him for several years. It's like he just disappeared. But he began chatting with women online, and and at least they were posing as women, and these women, some in this country, some in the States, some in other countries, came on to him, supposedly wanted to be in relationship with him, and and after weaving him into their web, they would ask for money, and he would send them money. And And one of the uh, supposed women was in, in, in Ghana, and, and, you know, that this gal in Ghana always had medical emergencies, supposedly been involved in an accident, and, and I would warn him, I'd call him, my name, be careful. And... And, and I'd ask him, have you ever talked with or Skyped or FaceTimed with them to where you could see their face while they were talking? And he said, no, you know, we've tried, but they always had a reason why they couldn't do that. Their conversation was always by text or social media. That, that was a clue. And he told me at one point, and this kind of blows my mind, but this probably isn't that uncommon but he told me that he had sent close to $50,000 to different women, listen, that he had never met. And he was always in such a financial need himself. And so he was in and out of jail. Sometimes he'd disappear. I'd hear, well, he was in jail. Couldn't pay his bills. And, and uh, I don't know if that's where he is today, but it's just like he disappeared. You know, one more example before, uh, before we move on. And, and, and we all get letters like this. I get it almost every week, emails or faxes or whatever. This is one that I got on Monday. And this one is, uh, you know, supposedly that there was a, uh, a, a you know, $9,820,000 uh, life insurance policy nobody had collected. And, and they even quoted... You know, they, they they said one of our clients, Mr. Gary Trussell. They personalized this one, and and I have a cousin whose name Gary Trussell. Really made it believable. But anyway, you know, just kind of uh, going through this letter, they they wanted about half of the proceeds, and I would get the other half. So forty five, uh, four point five million dollars, and you know, all of this just just seems too good to be true. Of course, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. But You know it's amazing how many people fall for these scams. So if you have a tendency to fall for scams or make unwise decisions, not on purpose, but you're just kind of maybe a little bit gullible, I would encourage you to make sure you have those people around you that you can seek out and ask their input before you get into so much debt to where you can't make a house payment, or or where you can't pay your rent, or you can't make a car payment. Hopefully, you will reach out for wisdom before you're addicted. you are addicted to where you have to drink or smoke or chew or whatever to cope, and hopefully, you will reach out for wisdom before your heart is so broken to where you don't know if you can ever trust another man again or trust another woman. So do what nobody else in your culture is going to do, encourage you to do, stop, stop, Stop before every invitation, before every opportunity, before every decision and ask in light of my past and in, in light of my present, in light of my future, what, what's the question? Is it wise? Because when you're 15 and somebody says they love you, you're going to believe them. Secondly, if you do not opt for wisdom, Solomon talks about another type person that is even more offensive than the simple person, and if you haven't gotten a little bit upset so far, you will hear. The second category that Solomon talks about a lot is the fool. Now, the difference between the simple person and the fool is this: the simple person doesn't know. I mean, they're just naive. They're they're gullible. But the fool on the other hand knows exactly what they're doing, but they don't care. They don't give a rip. When you say to the fool, hey, don't you know that what you're doing is not going to end up well? The fool says, I know. And you respond back and say, and you're going to do it anyway? He says, yes. And by the way, it's none of your business. Uh, it's my life. I can live it however I want to. Now, there are several places in Proverbs that, that, that talk, uh, talk about the fool. One of the most graphic scriptures is in Proverbs 26, 11, And you can quote the first part of it. You've quoted it probably different times, but you probably don't know what the second part says. Solomon says this, as a dog returns to its vomit. You've all heard that scripture, haven't you? But what's Solomon saying? So he connects it. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. In other words, Solomon is saying, just as a dog comes back to what he does, fools recycle. They they repeat over and over their foolish acts. And if you say to them, okay, do you remember how miserable you were the next day? They say, yes. Um, And and you say to them, okay, you're going to do it again. They say, yes. They repeat their foolishness. In another verse, Solomon says in in, in, uh, Proverbs 10, verse 23, a fool finds pleasure in evil conduct. So you ask him, Do you not know the consequences of what you're doing? Yes. So why are you doing it? Because it's fun. Yes, he may be cute, but do you realize he doesn't have a job? And he isn't interested in getting a job? He's just like your last boyfriend. And you're going to do this all over again? Yes. Why? Because we have fun. You know, if you have an area of your life where you say, you know, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, I I wouldn't call you this. But I think Solomon would say you're a fool. You know, if you, and it's we, but if we have habits or patterns or relationships that are slowly destroying us, I think Solomon would say, you're you're a fool. A fool knows what is right, but a fool recycles or repeats their folly. Now, some of you may say, well, Joe, that's offensive. I'm never coming back to church again. Oh, yes, you will. You may not come back to this church, but you'll come back to church eventually. In fact, let me tell you when Solomon says that you'll come back. You'll come back when you experience the cure for being a fool. Solomon says the cure for the fool is tragedy. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Unfortunately, many times the only way a fool can be cured of being a fool is to suffer harm or tragedy. And um, one more thing before we move on to our last offensive category. For those who would say, well, I don't care, you know, it's my body, it's my life, it's my time, it's my money, I can do whatever I want, I'm not hurting anybody else. You, you need to know the foolishness blinds us, because the tragedy of a fool, the, the, the tragedy of knowing right and wrong and deciding I don't care, isn't, isn't that you just hurt yourself, but you, you eventually hurt somebody else. Because there's a trickle-down effect. And when you hurt yourself, you hurt your reputation. You also hurt your parents. You hurt your siblings. You, you hurt your church. You hurt your community. Because th- the, the fact is, you're surrounded by people that love you. And so they will be hurt as well. When, when you hurt, we all hurt. Well, the last category that Solomon talks about, and this is the extreme This is the person you don't want to work for. This is the person hopefully you're not married to. Solomon refers to them as the mocker, or or some translations call them the scoffer. The mocker is a fool on steroids. The mocker not only knows the difference between right and wrong, but they mock people who try to do what's right. We have a lot of mockers in our country today. People who mock what is right. People, unfortunately, who mock traditional marriage values. People who mock those who try to stand up for the unborn. And they say, you're so ignorant. This is my body. You know, I can do whatever I want with it. But the truth is that the child in the womb is a separate life. And what about the child's rights? They're those who mock those who try to live within their means and not go into debt. And, and so therefore, you know, they may not have everything else that everybody else does, and they kind of make fun of them. And what happens when you try to stand up to a mocker? Well, Proverbs 9, 7 says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. So you try to talk some sense into them, and they will insult you goes on and says, whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. So Solomon is saying, in my experience, if you have a mocker in your life, good luck. You ain't going to change them. So I want to finish this verse. But before I do so, let me summarize these three categories. If you don't opt for wisdom, you will become one of these. The simple. They're not bad. They're just naive. They lack judgment. They trust everybody. They can't imagine that anything would ever go wrong, and you try to correct them, and they will be shocked that you would think that something bad might come out of their actions. There's the simple. There's the fool. They know what is right and wrong, but they don't care. And if you try to correct them, they'll say, I know, so what? I won't do it anyway. And then the mocker will make fun of you for trying to do what is right. And if you correct them, Solomon says, they're going to hate you. But then I want to finish this this verse. Solomon finishes the verse and says, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. A wise man isn't always right. He will at times need correction. But when you correct a wise man, when you correct a wise woman, They will thank you for investing in their life. Now, eventually the simple and the fool and the mocker, they will all need wisdom eventually. At some point along the way, they will find themselves in a jam and and they won't be able to get out of it themselves. And and so they'll need help to get out of debt. They'll need help to break an addiction, to to rescue a marriage, to reestablish contact with their kids. But the problem is if they disregard wisdom too long they may get to the point to where they don't even know what is right. Isaiah talks about calling good evil and evil good. So, for our wrap-up, I want to give you a word picture that Solomon gives us. And in this word picture, he portrays wisdom as a woman who's walking through the streets of a town calling out, Wisdom! Wisdom! Come and get it! Wants wisdom? And remember, this is not God talking, this is wisdom calling out. Proverbs 120. Wisdom calls aloud in the street, she raises her voice in the public squares at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out in the gateways of the city, she makes her speech, and then wisdom asks a question. How long will you simple ones? We've been talking about the simple, right? How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? So how long are you simple people gonna be naive and have to learn everything the hard way? Then he goes on and says, how long will mockers, we've been talking about mockers, delight in mockery. So how long will you mockers make fun of those who are, are trying to do what's right? And then he goes on and says, fools. that another category, and fools hate knowledge. How long will you fools continue to do wrong when you know what's right? Verse 23, If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. In other words, all you had to do was seek wisdom and I would have given you counsel and advice. Verse 24, But since you rejected me when I called and, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke. And so... He's about to give a really stern warning. Verse 26, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. And so what happens next? As I said, eventually most people, the simple, the fool, the mocker, will eventually find themselves in a jam and they will need help. But verse 28 says, Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. And just, I had to say, one of the heartbreaking things about being a pastor is seeing people do things that they know are wrong. And they do it so long to where it almost becomes impossible to fix their situation. And I see this in marriages all the time. And by the time couples come to me, many times it's too late and i've heard spouses say time and time again i'm done i'm done you know i hear from parents all the time where they wish that they would have taken spiritual things more seriously when their kids were growing up but now the kids are gone and since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke verse 31 then they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Boy, this is really heavy stuff, but thankfully Solomon ends with some really good news. You ready for some good news after this message? He says in verse 33, but whosoever, but whoever listens to me, whoever listens to wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So so back to the question that is driving this series, is it wise? You know, for the simple, if there's anybody that might be in that category of simple listening or or here, if you have a tendency to maybe unknowingly fall prey to some unwise decisions, you may need to humble yourself and surround yourself with friends that will maybe say the tough things to you and you accept it. For those who... uh, are doing things that they know are wrong. Solomon would call them fools. They may need to humble themselves and say, I've been so stubborn. Mockers, they need to admit that they're not the smartest person in the room and they need to humble themselves and apologize for making fun of those who are trying to do what's right. And and then all of us, knowing that we all have a tendency to mess up, can we just humbly seek God and ask Him to direct our steps? Solomon puts in this verse here in Proverbs chapter 3, you know the verse, two verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight, he'll direct your steps. So so this morning as we wrap things up, could we just make it a point to seek God, seek his wisdom. And you know what? There's no shame in going to our friends and saying, you know what? I need some direction here. I need some wisdom. Could you please be my checks and balances? And there are times I go to my staff and I'll say, I need you to be my checks and balances here because I'm not quite sure what is right. So can we just be those people that are not afraid to seek wisdom? Let's not pretend that we know it all. Let's not be uh, gullible. Let's not be hard-hearted. Let's not be simple. Let's not be fools. Let's not be mockers. But instead, let's have just a passion to do what's wise. Could we just pray together? Lord, I want to thank you for Solomon writing the hard stuff here. God, I want to just pray for those of us that maybe have some tendencies to be gullible, naive, and accepting and believing the best in everybody when maybe we shouldn't. And Lord, the danger is that we go to the other side of being skeptical of everything and everything that everybody says. But Father, I pray that you would give us the balance and that we would seek you and not just fall prey to those unwise things. God, I pray for those of us that maybe have some tendencies to be a fool and We know we're doing some things that we shouldn't do, but we're doing it anyway. Father, I pray that you would help us to see the consequences of doing that. And God, if there should be anybody here that would maybe be the mocker, they mock those that are trying to do what's right. Lord, I pray that you would bring them up short. And Lord, I pray that those of us we're claiming to follow Jesus, I pray that there would be wisdom, that, Lord, we would ask, is it wise? Everything that we're doing, is it wise? And that we would seek wisdom as wisdom is saying, wisdom, come and get it. Here it is available, that we would seek the wisdom that, Lord, you want to give everybody. And God, thank you that we don't have to be the sharpest knife in the, in the drawer. Lord, we don't have to be the smartest person to still be wise. Lord, give us godly wisdom. In, in a day and age like this when there's so much darkness, so many decisions that, Lord, uh, the society is pushing us into, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that we would be able to detect what is right, what is wrong. And so, Lord, thank you for Solomon saying the tough stuff. And, God, this week, uh, let us live wisely. Let us ask those questions. Let us do your will. Lord, thank you again for allowing us this time in your word. Lord, I want to just pray a hedge of protection as, as we leave this place. No doubt we will encounter people that are, have tested or will test positive. No doubt there are people we will encounter that may want to stir up an argument over politics or masks or whatever father i pray that we would just maybe come back to those issues that are really close to the heart of god and lord that we would not fall prey to get we would not get involved in needless discussions but father that we would keep the main thing the main thing and live lives that are righteous and be able to change this world and make this world a better place so god we put ourselves into your hands we consecrate ourselves make this a good week and that we could encourage someone this week and make a difference in their lives. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen Amen and amen and amen. I would just ask you one favor as you leave. Please wait until you get into your car to decide how you're going to hurt me, okay? Thanks for coming. I love you all. You're dismissed.